Now for our second split sermon. We'll have Mr. Barnabas Grayson come forward and he'll give his uh, message on the calling and the mystery. Well, good afternoon, everyone. <clears throat> I discovered something about my jacket. Reaching in my pocket, I found you could pull the lining up and you've got your handkerchief in there. I don't know if it's supposed to be that way or not, but it did, did look good, you know. Sitting over there this morning, and, or this afternoon anyway, uh, Carolyn said, what is that under your tie? Well, it's the other part of my tie, you know. But uh, I, if I don't tie it right the first time, usually the smaller tie is right beneath it, you know. And, and <laughs> so I stuffed it between the buttons of my shirt. And she said, you can't go up there like that. So I had to go up there and uh, back to the bathroom and put on the tie the right way. So I can't wait to get out of these clothes now. <laughs> Not right away, of course, but. <clears throat> Most every community in America has a church, either nearby or maybe next door to each other or down the block. And so we have, consequently, a lot of churches that have, you know, different uh, doctrines, different uh, uh, ideas about things. But we know that the church is a place of worship. It's where people gather in worship. Now, this word church is from the Greek word kuriakon, meaning the Lord's house, in reference to it as a building. But that's uh, speaking of it as a physical structure. But... It is generally considered as belonging to the Lord, as a place of sacred worship. So uh, when you look at a physical building, you know, there's a certain amount of respect that you have for it because you regard it in a, uh, sort of a physical sense or a spiritual sense. But this uh, Greek word is not used in the New Testament scriptures. Instead, the Greek word ecclesia is used, meaning a calling out. When Christ said, I will build my church, he used it in reference to a people who are called out. Churches today we know are known by various names, denominations. You've got Methodists, First Baptists, Episcopalians, Catholic, Pentecostal, Mormon, and so on. And there are the Seventh-day churches. Uh, there are Jehovah's Witnesses. There are the Jewish sects who also... Uh, worship correctly on the Sabbath day. But in all these, there are differences deep enough to cause differences, to cause separation, because we can see that by the hundreds of denominations that uh, exist across America. When Christ said, when he said, I will build my church, he said it would never die out. So that church must still exist, and Christ is still at work on the building. Now, since the church is the ecclesia, it is made up of called out ones. And that's what the church is, the people who are saints, who have been drawn to Jesus Christ. In the book of John, chapter 6, and verse 44, it says that no man can come unto me except the Father, which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. In verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall all 
be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learned of the Father comes unto me. We see that in this chapter, chapter 6, that it is re repeated six times at least that Christ came down from heaven to teach, to lead, to guide, and to show us the way. You know, for he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. So there was a time when we needed God for help. We needed him for forgiveness in our life and to make, perhaps just to make sense of what life is all about. And so the goodness of God led us to repentance. In John chapter 12 and in verse 44, Jesus cried and said, He that believes on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. So when you believe in Christ, you're not going to abide in darkness. And sometimes our lives become dark because in a way we, we quit believing at that moment in time. Knowing that Jesus Christ is the light of our life. We read of individuals in the Old Testament who had special callings like Moses like uh, Gideon, like David, and, and others. In the New Testament church, we read about the Apostle Paul who was called. We read about Peter and Andrew who were called. And of us today, we have read how that many wise men, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. Back up to verse 27 in John chapter 12. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I probably gave you the wrong scripture there, Brian. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Chosen the foolish things of the world. I can see where that came to pass here pretty quick. Not knowing what scripture to give Brian. And base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to nothing things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ. Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord or in the eternal. So we see that God did not choose philosophers or great scientists or knowledgeable scientists or men of wealth or royalty or people with power and where their main interest is in the world and carnal things. But he has made us wise unto salvation. Uh, we do not know every little thing there is to know about this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Okay, back on track. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is... God, 
who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So it's the Father who makes us stand firm in Christ, the Son. He anointed us and he put his Holy Spirit into us, into our hearts, and it leads us into truth. In the early Christian days, a lot of people, well, most of the uh, Christians met in people's homes. In Rome, Christians met in catacombs beneath the city of Rome in private fearing persecution, and from that time, uh, the gospel spread to other, uh, throughout the empire, and when Christianity was made the official religion of the Roman Empire, then people began to meet in the uh, basilicas and in the, even in the pagan temples, because to meet the, uh, the growing numbers of Christians that were needing a place to meet in a physical building, but a called out group of people due to the spreading of the gospel, that uh, many of the people who had heard Christ or who had heard of his word and spread. So in reading the epistle to the Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, I'm sorry, you're right, Brian, Ephesians chapter 1. Good. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. You know, material blessings are one thing. It's good to have clothes. It's good to have food on the table, furniture and house and all of, all of those things. But it is the spiritual blessings that are the most important in our life. Verse 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, before him in love, having predestinated us. You know, that is, he determined beforehand the reason that man was created. Uh, it's from this Greek word, proorizo, which means to mark ahead of time. The, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. So, we know that it was God who designed the plan and that it was Jesus Christ who carried out that plan. In whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Having made, no, uh, verse 8, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will. The, uh, sometimes, you know, it's hard to explain a mystery. And it can leave you hanging. You know, we, we have uh, mystery novels. We have mystery uh, shows, uh, theaters, and so on. And some of these mysteries just sort of remain unanswered for the longest time. And so we know that there are mysteries that even the eternal has that he has given us to think about. But what is the mystery of God's will? Ephesians chapter 3. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a forward few words, whereby when you read, 
you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. As we heard in the uh, earlier message that we need to apply ourselves to wisdom. So we see that the eternal God chose Paul to open the door of salvation to other nations besides Israel. Verse 11, all according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there was a plan that God designed that Jesus Christ carry, carried it out and we are the result of that teaching, of that gospel. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. You have to apply yourself also to this scripture. Because it says in whom. Christ Jesus we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So the calling out of people to comprise his church was to whoever came to believe in Jesus Christ and the gospel of salvation. And the apostle, he came to understand this when he wrote uh, in Acts 13, verse 23. Of this man's seed has God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, whom think you that I am? I am not he, but behold, there come, cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to lose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of the salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have uh, fulfilled them in condemning uh, him. Even though they heard the scriptures, the teachings, they did not come to understand it. They did not see that God had sent the Savior, Christ. And even though the prophets spoke about his coming and all the holy days pointed to him, but when Christ came, they did not believe him. Instead, he was crucified. But God raised him up from the dead. Verse 38 of Acts 13. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that though this man has preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and he, so he reminded them in the scriptures between to be careful 
to not despise and perish by not paying attention. Verse 42 on down. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them were persuaded to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day, almost the whole city together came to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw it, when they saw the multitudes of people, they were filled with envy. They, and they spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming the gospel, the salvation, the word of God. So Paul and Barnabas waxed bold, and they said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, turn we to the Gentiles. Verse 47, For so has the Lord commanded us to turn unto the Gentiles, saying, I have set you to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. So when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Ephesians chapter 6, when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he also admonished the children to be obedient to their parents and for the fathers to not provoke their children to anger. In verses 1 through 4, uh, we see that children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So there must have been a good reason for Paul to mention this commandment because there was, the children were not obeying their fathers, and the fathers were doing something uh, not helpful in leading their children to be obedient. In the book of Proverbs, it says, he that being often reproved hardens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. So, they were being reproved, perhaps even uh, cruelly reproved, and they hardened their neck. Whether that was the case or not, however, there must have been a call for Paul to mention uh, this to the fathers, that they should be as the Father in heaven, and to teach them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In verse 5, he talks about servants, to be obedient to, your, to the masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. And we see that, he, uh, that one should put on the whole armor of God. Verse 18, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So we come across a lot of mysteries that are mentioned here in the book. This part in verse 19 where the Apostle Paul is saying about prayer, to pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. So that goes for all of us. We're all in need of prayer that every one of us may live according to the word of God and to the gospel and, and not be ashamed of it to make known the mystery of the gospel. 
In Matthew chapter 13, it says, who, who has ears to hear? Let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Well, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them it is not given. And on down, verse 16, it says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. And then he talks about the parable of the sower. Like many who are called today and many who may hear uh, the gospel. And perhaps at one time we may have fallen to a certain situation in these uh, verses. Hear the parable of the sower. When, when anyone hears a word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, then comes the wicked and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word and anon with joy receives it, yet has he not root in himself, but dureth for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. So as we read these parables, the parable of the sword, there are other parables. We read about the message of salvation. The salvation of Christ. We read about repentance. We read about spiritual understanding and, and doing the will of God through those parables that some just didn't understand. So it shows a condition that some people have. Some who resist it, some who are blind to it, or who are just robbed of it by uh, the deceiver. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2. Let no man deceive you by any means. There are a lot of ways that we can be deceived. A lot of means through which deception can come. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away. You know, we talk about the falling away quite a bit. Some, well, not quite a bit. We mention that from time to time. But we know that there's going to come a falling away. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And, you know, the son of perdition and antichrist, hostile against uh, the teachings, doctrines of Jesus Christ, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. Verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. You know, it's ever-present, trying to uh, subvert, trying to deceive, trying to conquer the saints and spoil God's plan of salvation and to uh, ruin the teachings of Jesus Christ. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Verse 8, and then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because... They receive not the truth that they might be saved. Verse 11. 
for this, uh, God, uh, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. You know, when you're uh, so uh, involved in a lie, it's easy to bring on further lies so that this strong delusion can take place. Verse 12, that they all might be damned to believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Chosen you to salvation. That means there was a choice. That means that he chose you out of the world. He chose you to be in the church, in the body of Jesus Christ. From the beginning, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you've been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Let's uh, look at another mystery in 1 Corinthians uh, 15. You probably already know what that is about. Verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Uh, we can, let's back up to verse 35 in 1 Corinthians 15. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? You fool, that which you sow is not quickened except it die. And that's, you know, that's about the seed that's planted as it goes through the growing process toward life or a living plant. Verse 37, and that which you sow, you sow not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as it has pleased him, and to every seed his own uh, body. All flesh is not the same. Verse 40, there are celestial bodies, terrestrial ones. But the glory of the celestial is one, and, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. One glory of the sun, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another. In verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. And so in verse 54. We, uh, when this corruptible have sh uh, shall have put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then sh shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Pretty hard. It's a mystery, even in a way, to uh, think about what it's going to be like to live forever and ever. Uh, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It is a mystery. Uh, to wonder how the human physical body can, uh, can come back, everything be put back together. Uh, 
Ron talked about vapor. You know, we're, we're, we're just vapor. And I think about those, it reminded me of those people in Japan, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, who were, who were vaporized by that atomic blast how those bodies, those people, their minds and everything about them is going to be put back together. But it will be. Scripture tells us about the valley of the dry bones, that all, everything just came together. And that the moment of Christ's uh, death, there were some who returned to life from their uh, graves, providing that Jesus Christ can do those things, that there is power in that. Let's go to Psalms 139, verse 13. In a way, these, this is a mystery to us also. For you have possessed my reins, you have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from you. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in the book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God! How great is, is the sum of them! In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about the relationship of, uh, of husband and wives about the marriage relationship. Verse 25, we read where he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, he says. So we see another mystery. But I speak, Paul saying, concerning Christ and the church. So as a mother who has a child inside of her womb, there are things that are coming together, things that are taking place. Ecclesiastes 11.5. I remember uh, Ron asking, uh, that we, saying that we don't know all what God has in store for us. So we read in Ecclesiastes 11.5, As you knoweth not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so, you know not the works of God who makes all. So we're seeing that no one can really predict God's action or really understand even how nature can create bones and all the things that go into the, to our structure uh, of our human body. And now we may not know or, or understand every mystery, but this is our hope. And so we praise God that he has given us his son and that... The Father longs for our becoming like unto Jesus Christ. You remember uh, here recently, the uh, uh, Kevin Durant, you know, played, plays basketball for the Oklahoma City Thunder, received a Most Valuable Player Award, uh, and I just saw a brief uh, video on it. 
the tear you know, coming down his eyes where he was uh, giving, thanking his mother for all that she had uh, uh, done for him. And I wrote down some of the things he, that he said. When he could have, uh, when he could have been you know, self-congratulatory, it was with humility, it says, uh, of the tenderness of how he spoke of his mother. You know, tomorrow is Mother's Day, and, and, uh, and it, it really struck a chord with a lot of uh, people who were in the uh, crowd there. But he looked at her, saying to her, she kept us off the street, she put clothes on our backs, food on the table, and when you didn't eat, he's talking to his mother, you made sure we ate. You sacrificed for us. You're the real MVP. And then to the crowd, he said, we are all a work in progress. And so when you think about those things and think about being grateful, you can look at Jesus Christ and at the church that, we, that he has called us into. In Psalm, back to Psalm 139. And isn't this in a way like a parent or a mother in this case, if we want to think about it, those terms? O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my down-sitting and mine uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. You can pass my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my waves. You know, you know mothers or parents and fathers, they, they know their child. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. You have beset me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you have possessed my reins, you have covered me in my mother's womb. So we see that this calling, this calling that we have is a summon. And there are a lot of mysteries that we still have yet to come to understand and satisfy our minds with. Second Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, about Christ who has saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. There are many mysteries that we can, you know, check, check into, but we'll go ahead and close with these words that the Apostle Paul said uh, to the church in Ephesus. In verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 10, he said, and this is to us as well, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power 
of his might. And as in addition to that, as we read to put on the whole armor of God.